Welcome to Connections. I'm Stephen Pythman. In 1820, an Italian violinist, then little known outside his own country, published a collection of virtuoso pieces, including one that would inspire works by Schumann, Brahms, Liszt, Rachmaninoff, and Andrew Lloyd Webber, among others. In the next hour, the astonishing impact of Niccolò Paganini's 24th Caprice for solo violin. Paganini, who lived from 1782 to 1840, was a virtuoso violinist with a reportedly breathtaking command of his instrument. He was so good, in fact, that he could not find enough showcase pieces to satisfy the demands of his audiences, and so he turned to writing his own. His 24 Caprices, Opus 1, from 1820, written before he attained fame outside Italy, are still the supreme test of any great violinist. Of the 24, however, it is the final one that has attracted the most attention. Caprice number 24 is a set of miniature variations based on a simple but catchy descending melodic line. As with his other Caprices, however, Paganini soon takes it far beyond its opening simplicity, as we hear in this splendid performance by Midori.
The 24th Caprice is considered one of the most difficult pieces written for the solo violin. Many violinists, even after studying for many years, find they lack the technique required for this demanding work. In fact, that was Paganini's plan, that no one would be able to play it except himself. In 1830, future composer Robert Schumann, then an unhappy 19-year-old law student in Heidelberg, traveled to Frankfurt to hear Paganini play this and other works. And as a result of that experience, Schumann decided to dedicate himself to music. He wrote two collections of etudes based on the Paganini Caprices, but neither included number 24. He did do a piano transcription of all the Caprices, however, and in 1853 he began to write a piano accompaniment for the solo violin part, only a few years before his death. Like Robert Schumann, it was an encounter with Paganini in concert that first set the 21-year-old Franz Liszt on the path of becoming an instrumental virtuoso and composer. For, like Paganini, once he had made his reputation, the constantly concertizing Liszt began to run out of works that would showcase his amazing artistry on the piano, and he decided to write his own. And what better way to show off his skills than transcriptions of some of the works that Paganini wrote for his public? Liszt's interest in the Caprices extended beyond number 24, but it must have been one he particularly liked because he included it in both his Transcendental Etudes of 1840 and his Six Grand Etudes written in 1851. Thank you. 
Leslie Howard performed the six of the Grand Etudes of Paganini by Franz Liszt. Schumann wrote admiringly that the Liszt-Paganini-inspired pieces were probably the most difficult ever written for the piano. While Schumann and Liszt wrote variations on many of the 24 caprices, Brahms begins the move toward the 24th alone by making it the basis for two books of variations. Here's Nicholas Angelisch performing from Book Two.
Nicholas Angelisch performed from Book Two of the Paganini Variations by Johannes Brahms, composed in 1863. Brahms jokingly referred to the two books as finger exercises for piano students because the pieces explore the entire range of keyboard technique. But in fact, in these works, he created a unique and difficult style of piano composition that he never tried again. Take this example: the finale from Book One, again performed by Nicholas Angelisch. Seventy years elapsed until the next major reworking of Paganini's twenty-fourth Caprice, but it was well worth the wait. For in 1934, Sergei Rachmaninoff premiered his now famous Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini for piano and orchestra. In a moment, a performance of the Rhapsody by Arthur Rubinstein and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra under Fritz Reiner. I'm Stephen Pythman. You're listening to Connections from Capital Public Radio.
written in the latter part of his life, Sergei Rachmaninoff's Rhapsody on a Theme of Paganini is arguably his most loved composition. It was written in 1934 when, like Paganini and Liszt, Rachmaninoff was famous not only as a composer, but as an instrumental virtuoso, playing to packed houses in Europe and America. That Rachmaninoff might find a musical kinship with Paganini is not surprising. What is surprising is that while the Rhapsody is as strongly romantic as any of the composer's symphonies or concertos, it is a very methodically constructed sequence of variations, with the main theme of Paganini's 24th Caprice never far away. Here is a classic account of the work by pianist Arthur Rubinstein with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Fritz Reiner.
Arthur Rubinstein with the Chicago Symphony under Fritz Reiner performed the Rhapsody on the Theme of Paganini, recorded in 1958. It was Rachmaninoff who put the 24th Caprice on the map for modern audiences. In the years since, Paganini's piece has been adapted by a wide range of composers, including Karol Szymanowski and Witold Lutoslawski. Their Paganini variations are fun, but hold few surprises. The same can't be said for the variations of Andrew Lloyd Webber, written in 1978 on a dare from his brother, cellist Julian Lloyd Webber, who bet Andrew that he could not write a rock-style classical work for cello. Here is the result, the first variation, played by Julian Lloyd Webber and members of the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Weber's attempt strikes me as a bit contrived, and I would argue that jazz composer-arranger Mel Powell did a better job with his version, written in the 1940s for Benny Goodman.
Benny Goodman and his orchestra, recorded in 1942. The 24th Caprice has been transcribed for piano, guitar, flute, and saxophone, and perhaps harmonica and kazoo for all I know. Like most of Paganini's music, it's never profound, but the combination of its easygoing charm and flagrant exhibitionism continues to entertain and inspire in ways that I think would have surprised and pleased the 19th century's master showman. I'm Stephen Pythman, inviting you to join me again for Connections. Recording engineer was Mark Jones. Connections is a production of Capital Public Radio.